Welcome to Central Line, the AHA podcast. This is the official podcast of the American Animal Hospital Association, dedicated to simplifying the journey towards excellence in veterinary medicine for every member of the veterinary team. Here's your host, Dr. Katie Berlin. Hi, welcome back to Central Line. We are continuing our special edition episodes recorded here at um, in San Diego at the first ever AHA Con 2023. Very exciting. And our guest today is somebody I've been wishing that I could talk to for a long time, Dr. Martha Klein. It's so great to be here. Thanks for having me. Uh, it's really great to meet you in person. We've talked yes. virtually several Little times. Little squares. Yes. Little squares. And if you have taken the nutrition certificate, the nutrition guidelines certificate um, through AHA Learning, which if you haven't, you should definitely check it out. Dr. Klein was instrumental in making that happen. Um you are pretty much like you saved the day with that certificate. So, and you also appear on video in the certificate. Oh, yes. You're a really good sport about that. Yes, <laughs> yes. Well, I, I feel very invested in the guidelines and I wanted it to be just a really wonderful program uh, because I felt like the team, all of us on the team on the guidelines put so much effort into it. And so it's really nice to see the certificate be available as well and really help another source to put all that good information into the clinic. Yeah. So that's, that's true. I didn't mention that part, which is that you were actually, were you co-chair of the task force? I was the chair. You were the chair. I was the, the chair. Force. Yes. You didn't have to co with anyone. I know. I was, chair I was like, oh, do you, <laughs> yes. are you sure you want this to be me? Okay. <laughs> of, of the nutrition and weight management guidelines. Yes. Right. Yeah. So, 2021. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, and those guidelines are fantastic. So definitely check those out too. And I really like the calculators that we have online. Mm-hmm. Um, so just a whole bunch of good resources about nutrition because as we know, nutrition can be something that not everyone is like super excited about. Yeah. At least off the bat. And I think a lot of veterinary professionals in all parts of the team can have some fatigue or some anxiety having Mm -hmm. nutrition conversations. And uh, there are some really amazing communication techniques. And actually it's, it's really incredible to see some of the literature that's been coming out in the last few years. I, I think specifically Dr. Jason Coe was on our mm-hmm. task force and they are just like a publishing machine with really great nutrition techniques in terms of communication strategies. Um, uh, they're not the only ones, uh, by any means, but, um, when I look at the literature that's come out just in the last few years, I, it's all really, really great resources. And a lot of those are built into the guidelines as well. You know, I really noticed that, that especially starting with the nutrition guidelines, um, there's been a trend in AHA guidelines, which mm-hmm. partly is because of the team we have in place that really wants to stress that in the content we produce, but also the, the task forces that get together. People all over the spectrum of vet med are realizing the importance of the, you know, the stuff that isn't just the hard science. Yeah. Um, the communication and the interpersonal relationships and the team dynamics and empowerment of members of the veterinary team that all go into really making implementation of those recommendations. Yeah, absolutely. And that was one of the gaps, I think, when we sat down and talked for the nutrition assessment guidelines is we had wonderful guidelines from 2010 that a lot of that information is still relevant. We had really fabulous guidelines from 2014 on weight management, um, but both of those guidelines did not address some of those, I guess, softer things, mm-hmm. like not the context, right? So right. we'll talk about like the, the scientific knowledge and the context behind making a recommendation, but 
how do you get there? How do you proceed into that? What are the perceptions and the purchasing decisions and of the client? And then how do we navigate that um, when having conversations about unconventional food or trying to share goals or having weight management conversations? And so there are techniques out there to address some of that that can really when we look at a lot of the pain points that veterinarians have, there are people that have, we have evidence-based medicine now on communication techniques to work within that space. Yeah. Love that. I love seeing all that evidence-based um, research come out about things like communication. Yeah. Um, it's making them seem less soft and more essential. Oh yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. It's really great because I, I didn't feel like I got, I really appreciate the recognition in my time from starting veterinary school to now to, you know, addressing the, the pain points of the veterinarian and the veterinary team and managing that fatigue and anxiety that comes with a lot of that. But then also reminding us, you know, to be compassionate toward the client and where does the mm -hmm. client come from? And I said, I talked about today at, at here at AhaCon, you know, don't forget about the client with the new puppy going into the pet store, standing there with 200 beautiful bags, staring back at it. Yeah. Like that's a very difficult, um, that's hard decision, for me. right? I'm so glad I don't have to make that decision. <laughs> like, I am so glad I don't have to do that. Um, uh, and I just, I really think about how much time and effort some of these clients have invested in making these choices. Mm -hmm. And then they come into the vet clinic and now we're going to challenge that. That's a really difficult position to be in. And so knowing how to navigate that and to talk to the client about that is so important. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I realized I forgot an essential thing, which is to ask you to introduce yeah. yourself. Like, oh, um, yeah. Yes. So um, you're Martha Klein. You're a board yes. certified veterinary nutritionist. But how, like, what do you do? And oh, yeah. what do you think is important for people to know about you? Yeah. So I did, I finished my residency in 2013. And right after I finished my residency, my, one of my main goals was to just get in the clinic and practice. Like I love practicing. I love seeing patients. And so I moved from Tennessee to New Jersey and went to work full time at Red Bank Veterinary Hospitals. Um, so primarily located in Tinton Falls, but I had coverage at um, Hillsboro, uh, the Hillsboro location and the Mount Laurel location. Um, in my eight and a half years full time, I also had a little bit of overlap with two other amazing nutritionists I learned so much from, Dr. Lisa Weath and Dr. Marianne Murphy. Um, so, um, but I was there, I think it was 2016 on, I think I was a solo uh, up until December 2021. Uh, so I was full time, just all nutrition all the time. Um, in 2021, uh, at the end of 2021, I had a really interesting opportunity come towards me. And I'm, I'm so happy I did that. It was really hard to think about. I know it's so hard to think about changing, mm. changing what you're doing, but I actually was so lucky. I got to join the, um, uh, team at Nestle Purina. So I'm a veterinary communications manager now. So I get to take a lot of the stuff that I had full-time in the clinic and I get to implement it on a much bigger scale, um, which is very fun. And then the really other fun part is I still actually go to the clinic too. So um, I uh, I work part-time at uh, in the clinic and I still see nutrition patients um, depending on what my schedule of my full-time job is. So now I'm balancing balancing that as well. But I still get to see patients, but on the other side of that, I get to do a lot of other things that I love, like uh, 
talk, mm-hmm. communicate. Yeah. Uh, I get to do write. I get to write. I get to edit. I get to educate internally. I get to educate externally. And so it's just been a really fulfilling change. Uh, and it's a really nice reminder that there are a lot of things that you can do as a veterinarian. So absolutely. That's a lot of nutrition though. Like that's a lot of nutrition. <laughs> You're talking about veterinary nutrition a lot. And yes, so you all the time. Really so I guess it. I'm, it's good that I really like it. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> did you always love nutrition or did that come to you later? That actually came, uh, you know, so I think back when I was in undergrad, I had, I did not have an interest in nutrition beyond maybe what I was eating myself Mm -hmm. and what, um, I like my family members did. I had, um, some interesting, not necessarily personally, but within my family, some people who've made some very interesting diet choices for themselves (laughs) in the past. And so I always had a little bit of interest in navigating that space Mm -hmm. a little bit. Um, I have always, I came from, to parents that were uh, engineers. And so, um, and then I was always very much in the science space. And so that background made me, you know, very much appreciate evidence and Mm -hmm. evidence-based medicine and nutrition and science in general. And so it made me question a lot of things. I wanted to go to, um, go to veterinary school. I got into veterinary school and I literally did not even know that you could, that a veterinary nutritionist existed. Um, but in my first year of veterinary school, I applied for a student rep position actually with Nestle Purina, interestingly enough. And, uh, it really opened up my eyes to veterinary nutrition. And then I was very fortunate to be able to work with the nutrition service at the university of Tennessee between my first and second year. Um, on the clinic, but also doing a research project for them. And really from there, the the opportunities I had in my first year of vet school really started to influence where I wanted to go in terms of my path. And so I knew by the time I finished veterinary school that I wanted to pursue veterinary nutrition. And I was very much determined to do that. And here we are today. So it worked out. That's good. <laughs> very cool. Yeah. I mean, that's really interesting. It's not like you came in as a nutrition nerd. Yeah, not at all. I just, (laughs) I think a lot of us just like run from nutrition. (laughs) Yeah. You know, and that was something that I thought was really, I noticed that in veterinary school, that nutrition was something that even then gave people a lot of anxiety and they didn't want to have those conversations and they didn't want to have to deal with it. Yeah. We didn't want to do math. Yeah. And I'm like, no, do the math. And then I'm like, now I'm like, there's really great online calculators. There's so many online calculators. You don't have to do it. Just bookmark it and put it in and it'll do it for you. Um, but I, I think I appreciated that. And again, I, I just had this really unique background where I wanted to, I, of having some weird nutrition stuff happen in my life in the past. And I wanted to just, and so part of that came from, from that, but then I wanted to be a veterinarian and then I was able to find out how I could incorporate all of those things together. It's very cool. Yeah. Yeah. We'll have to, that's another conversation for another time, but we'll have to talk more about the connection between veterinary nutrition and human nutrition. Like we could really dive deep in that. Oh man. Cause that's a space I'm very interested into, especially when it comes to, um, how we think about obesity and how we have those conversations with pet owners. Yeah, I do think we're like, we, we, we are a little behind the times on that. Yeah, we definitely are. And I, uh, when I was, 
a resident, I was very fortunate to take some graduate level courses on main campus at University of Tennessee with the nutrition department, with people who are registered dietitians, mm -hmm. those in public health, those in PhDs. So we, uh, I was in class and I made some connections with people there. Um, I also have some connections, um, just like friendly connections with uh, uh, registered dietitians. And the space they navigate is so difficult, it right? Because there's so much so social stigma, stigma and mm -hmm. emotion related to it. And um, one of the most interesting things that I've seen come from looking at some of the way we communicate in veterinary medicine, that really is something that people hadn't really thought of. But when we think about weight bias yeah. in human medicine, right? So this is a, this is where people are basically discriminated against because of their weight and they're being stereotyped. Um, and this happens in, in exam rooms for yeah. people that are going to the doctor and it really compromises care. Yeah. And so there have been some people that have looked at or some researchers have looked at, does this exist in veterinary medicine? And there was an interesting study done at a uh, University of Pennsylvania where they did find that there is some degree of weight bias that happens. So when there are veterinarians and veterinary students and they are confronted with an animal that is overweight, um, that they have more negative attitude towards the owner. And then when owners themselves are also overweight or obese and have an overweight or obese animal, there tends to be more blame put on that owner for that compared mm -hmm. to if the owner was lean. And then some of the language that is used in veterinary medicine, like when we're talking about animals that have excess body weight, some of yeah. that language language can be stigmatizing to the owner. And so it's that paper and the, the conversation around that is really important because, um, because of what exists around people yeah. and how stigmatizing it is. Yeah. And, you know, um, obviously we know that in dogs and in people, there are certain health consequences from having excess body weight. And that's, that's, is science. But the navigating the space in terms of communication and doing the best that we can to help people. And I actually feel like I've learned a lot from that human field in terms of even communicating with um, clients. And again, there is some literature about this is when we're talking about pet weight and making recommendations is we're focusing it in the context of the pet health so that. Like, a, for example, if you have an obese dog and it has lameness associated with it and it has an issue with mobility that's affecting its quality of life. So the conversation maybe not to have is be like, this dog weighs 90 pounds. Your dog really needs to weigh 60 pounds. We're going to come in. We're going to do this. Let's refocus that not on just what the weight is and yeah. the number on the scale is, but let's say you know, we have some really good evidence to show that even five to 10% weight loss can help improve mobility. So yeah. why don't we work towards, you know, if you have a good nutrition history um, and do a nutritional assessment, we can make those recommendations, but not focusing it on your pet is obese and needs to lose 30 pounds. Like your pet could probably benefit from a mobility standpoint, and I'm going to help you do that. And so there's just ways to reframe that conversation that makes it less stigmatizing to the owner and makes it less about just what that number on the scale is. And so looking at it in terms of how we can help with the quality of life of the pet, I think is important. So that's it's so complicated though. I feel like there's yeah. still so much. I mean, I sometimes can be, even be intimidated by those conversations because, yeah. um, and 
the last thing I ever want to do is come across as like judgmental or even stereotyping somebody. And, you know, everybody has to work on that. Like, um, nobody is immune to having biases and things, but, um, it's an important conversation for us to start having. And yeah, for sure. Yeah. And there's so much science now that they're starting to figure out. And I say science, making the little air quotes again. I do this a lot. Yeah. And what most people listen to the podcast, they don't watch it. And I'm like, they're not seeing this, but I'm making little air quotes because there's so much science about weight and, and obesity in humans mm -hmm. that is actually based in, in sh very shaky data. And yeah. like, I Absolutely. think that's really important too, is that mm -hmm. as you say, some of it is science where we know that excess weight, especially after a certain point is detrimental to the health of both animals and humans. And also humans aren't dogs, dogs aren't humans. And like for humans, yes. the genetic component, the social component of weight is so important to take into consideration. And there are healthy people at different sizes, exactly. right? Like, yes. And so, um, and I don't want to ever speak out of turn because I am not a registered dietitian yeah. or a human doctor, but it, but the things from applying some of those communication techniques into mm -hmm. veterinary medicine. Um, and you know, I, I, I can feed my pets a complete and balanced diet every day. Yeah. Like I, you know, when we're talking about weight management, that is going to be very different than when we talk about diet culture for people, yes. which is very complicated. So complicated. I am, and there's nothing more I'm really fortunate that I have the ability to utilize different diets and therapeutic nutrition to make sure that if I'm dropping calories, I'm not restricting nutrients. I'm not restricting protein. I have ways that I can promote satiety. I have different behavioral techniques and things that we can do. And we just have so much more control. So sometimes yes. I feel like my job is easier than it is going to be on the human front because yes. they have to deal with emotion and society and perception. And yeah, like that's really hard. It's so complicated. Like and even just hearing you, listening to you talk, I'm just thinking like when it comes to the human animal bond, the food is such an important part of that. And when they hear restricting calories or like changing diet, they hear you're changing my relationship with my pet. And mm -hmm. like that doesn't have to be the case. Right. But it that's the gut reaction. Like even for me, you know, it's like, oh, oh yeah, my cat should probably be on a food trial to be honest. Cause he's got yeah. chronic ear stuff, but like, I don't want to take away his chew. You know what I mean? Oh and yeah. Like, it's just and it's so not emotional. Even with weight management, it's like anytime you're making a change that not only involves a diet change, but like a behavioral change, yes. it's, it's something that you have to navigate. And so asking the right questions in terms of making sure we're assessing, mm -hmm what the owner's goals are, what the reasons why maybe they purchase a certain pet food. Are there different parts of the daily routine when it comes to feeding that are really important for that human animal bond? Like the churro that yeah. you're talking about or the bone that they give, they have to give this treat when they, so yeah, I want to like preserve some do. of that. <laughs> I want to preserve some of that, but maybe I want to fit it into so I don't want to, I don't ever want to be the person that comes in and just be like, I'm taking all of this away from you yeah. <laughs> and you can only feed you could just forget about one cup of, of food twice a day and that's <laughs> it and no treats. And you have to take your dog on a walk for three miles every day, yeah. you know, so there are, we're going to, we're, we have the ability to think about that in a much different way than, yeah. um, and we can have a lot more control over yeah. it. So. 
This AHA podcast is brought to you by Care Credit. Care Credit understands that all veterinary teams are busier than ever. To help patients get the care they need, the Care Credit Health and Pet Care Credit Card allows clients to access a budget-friendly financing experience anytime from anywhere on their own smart device. They can learn, see if they pre-qualify, apply, and even pay if approved, all on that smart device. With just a tap, they have a friendly, contactless way to pay over time for the services and treatments their pet needs, whether it be a general, referring, or specialty hospital, as long as they accept the Care Credit credit card. Absolutely. Well, that's fascinating. And I definitely <laughs> want to talk to you more about that at some point. Yes, it would be really fun to do it with a registered dietitian, yes, right? exactly. Like, yeah. like, we should have a panel talk about that. Okay, so note to self. More like one health kind of thing exactly. too. And, yeah. and also the opportunity for just learning from each other. Yeah. So because yeah. it is public health. Like all, it's public health. All of this is public health. And mm-hmm. it's hard to think of something that's more closely entwined with the human animal bond than food. So yeah, absolutely. Um, okay. Well that's a wonderful tangent that we went on that I didn't know we were going to talk about. Yeah. And I love it so no, much. So just, many seeds have been planted. It's something I'm just I think about it all the time. I know I have like so much to learn about it. So same, same, same. Um, okay. So, uh, without getting too deeply into specifics, Mm -hmm. I'm curious to know the theme of our, our conference this year is level up. And Mm -hmm. I'm curious to know what leveling up, whether it's in vet med in general or in veterinary nutrition looks like to you. I feel like this is such an obvious answer, like when I'm (laughs) going to say it, but, um, Something that I found, especially in the last couple of years, as I've switched jobs and changed, you know, my position and what I do on a mm-hmm. daily basis is looking for where my knowledge gaps are and trying to fill those knowledge gaps. And I, this is totally one of those things, like sometimes I realize, oh, uh, I didn't know what I didn't know. Mm-hmm. I love that phrase. Like people don't know what they don't know. Yeah. Like, um, so you can speak really confidently about something and then you find out it's more nuanced than that. And I kind of like almost love when that happens to me a little bit and I get challenged and get to learn something new, and especially as moving You know, one of the interesting things in navigating a different sector of veterinary medicine, so going from private practice to nutrition, is just like having, being able to learn so much more about a space that I wouldn't have been able to learn about if I had not decided to take that opportunity up on myself. So um, I think leveling up for me personally is always that pursuit of just learning. Um, And, you know, I think, so that's like from a professional standpoint, um, and having the opportunity to do things that I, I wouldn't have had to do in the clinic full time, even Mm. though that was a fulfilling thing as well for me. Um, personally, like outside of that, I, man, I'm really trying to become a better runner. Mm. (laughs) So this is the third space Okay. Yeah. Okay. I want to know more about that. So I was going to ask you what your third space is where you don't have to be Dr. Klein, you don't have to be a a wife, you don't have to Mm -hmm. have responsibilities where you're like obligated to someone else. You can just focus on something that's important to you. Yeah. So I never, I was not a runner until, and I, I mean, I, <laughs> if you run, you're I, a runner. Okay. If I like go outside and I ran for a little bit, I guess I could qualify as a runner. So yep. the, let's put a real low bar on here. But when I was an intern, um, I met one of my like very close friends when I was an intern and she was a runner and 
I ran my first 5k when I was an intern and I was like, okay, this is kind of fun. And I, then I went into my residency and that's when I really found the running in terms of being in a space where I could put my head somewhere else. Mm -hmm. And I know it does not work for everybody. Like I have friends and they're like, yeah, that sounds like a miserable time. Like why would you make yourself miserable? Yeah. Like why would you do that? But, um, it's something that really worked for me and, but it was hard. Like I've never been the kind of runner where I could just really, get up every single morning. And I know those people and they're amazing who could run like three miles every day before they go to work. And so that was something I like really struggled with. Um, and so I was like very recreational with it. And I also, um, probably did what you're not supposed to do, which is weekend warrior it Mm. and then go like and do a half marathon. Right. Yeah. Don't recommend, not recommending to do that. Bad idea. Really bad idea. So, uh, one of the things in the last couple of years, it, it, it kind of started in the pandemic, but um, when the pandemic started, but I really wasn't able to focus on it so much. Uh, but I've, I've been able in the last two years to like significantly drop my, my, like my times, mm-hmm. like I'm much faster runner. I, uh, feel a lot better. And part of that too is in my other like third spaces, I actually found a gym that works for me. Believe oh, me, yeah. I have tried, I have paid a lot of money for different gyms that You're did not, not <laughs> out, right? Like every, there's a lot of people being like, yeah, I know about that. Yeah. Um, but I, one of my friends who's a veterinarian invited me to come to this gym with her and I found it to be a really positive place with like really positive classes and coaches. And I'm also going to say, I found a gym that did not give out really horrible nutrition information. Ooh. I know. Oh, I didn't even yeah, think about that. Like, How frustrating that must be as for you. A, a yes. Cause I have like, a, I mean, I'm not, again, I am not a registered dietitian. Yeah. I am not a human nutritionist, but the science I want to stay in my lane, lie. but I definitely know when people are saying stuff that is not right. Yeah. Um, so that was actually <laughs> like being able to find Oh, I so feel that. Being able to find a space <laughs> where I felt there was a lot of positivity. Yeah, yeah. I and uh and there wasn't a lot of misinformation there. And so I found a place where I go. So I also am a better runner now because I cross train in the ah, gym. Yeah. Who knew? Right. All of these very basic if only things. Someone had told us. Wow. If somebody <laughs> told me I needed to cross train to be a better runner. Um, but that's just been a really positive thing. And it's something that I never thought that I, I never thought that I would get there or be the type of person that would enjoy doing that. But it took a really long time and it was definitely something I could have easily have given up on. But I think it's just, again, having the opportunity and then also finding just a supportive group of people. And so what I do for, for that is definitely not for everybody. And, you know, even my husband finds different ways, like he does not want to go to the gym with me or run with me, yeah. but he lo- loves his bike. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's so personal. And like, I love that you, that you kept kept it up until you found something that worked for you. And like, there's a season for everything, right? Yeah. I used yeah, to be absolutely. like sign up for all the races and I was never fast, but mm-hmm. like I was getting faster and like, I cared about that and I wanted to go do speed work and stuff. And my body just like, you know, I was cross-trained, but my body just, it, it had, a, I had some medical problems and I just kind of, I lost it for a little while. And now I'm just happy to be out there. Yeah. And it helps to live in Colorado now where like being so, outside yes. is just great. Right. Like, well, can you live in Colorado and not 
right. like that, I right? I feel like they take your Colorado <laughs> card away yeah, like, if you yeah. don't get to <laughs> oh, I guess the Colorado card is something else. <laughs> but, like, you know, I have a bike rack now and stuff. You know, I do all oh, the yeah. things. But, like, I want to be able to just be outside and be moving. But mm-hmm. there's something about running that, for me, you just can't replicate. Um, something about just, like, it's you and the road and your shoes and your breath. And yeah. um, I solve a lot of problems running, you know? Yeah. I I think the other thing with the running is I've found the people that I yes. like to be with when I run. Yes. And um, shout out to my friend Carrie, who is the one that I met my internship. And if all goes well, we will both be running the New York City Marathon next year because we're doing we're do, they have a program where you can like run nine races and volunteer for uh-huh, one. Uh-huh. And so um my friend Carrie, my friend Catherine, who are also veterinarians, and I love them very much. Uh, we're all volunteering at the marathon this year. And oh, so that's I just be fun too. Oh yeah. And I and I just love the energy mm-hmm. of these big races. And yeah. I just really feed off of the positivity of all of it. And so that's so it's not only the running, it's also the encouragement that yeah. you get when you're doing it. It's really nice. Totally. So yeah. And having people that you can you know, celebrate with and also build up and uh, do it with. Yeah. Yeah. For anybody listening who has not stood at the finish line or like down that home stretch of a marathon, I would highly recommend it. Like, even if you never have run a step and don't plan to run a step in your life, like you learn something about the human condition, watching people finish a marathon, especially like the mid to back of the pack people. Yeah, it's incredible. Like, it's no big deal to me to watch like super fit people like race across the finish line mm-hmm. really fast. Like great for them, kudos to them. But there's something about the people who have been out there for like six hours, yeah. six and a half hours. And New York City has people finishing like at night. Yes. Like they've been I running love, literally all day. I love cheering at, at races like yeah. and hanging out like after I finish, like going back and hanging out and yeah. cheering people on. It's and so inspiring. It's really, really fun. So I love it. Well, that's awesome. Have so much fun volunteering. I'm so excited. (laughs) And and I'll be cheering for you next year when you're out there. Oh, I hope so. I really (laughs) hope so. So. Um, Yeah, that's that's great. Okay, so last question. Okay. So this is going to come out after Tech Month or Tech Week, um, National Veterinary Technician Week. It's going to come out after that, but technicians should be celebrated all year. Mm -hmm. But since we're coming up on Vet Tech Week and the release of the first AHA um, technician utilization guidelines are coming out. Oh in my October. gosh, that makes me so excited! Yeah, so they'll be out in, in Trends Magazine in October. Oh, um, that's huge! Yeah. That's amazing. So by the time this airs, they'll be out already. So Great. I hope everyone's checked them out. But if not, we'll have a link. Mm-hmm. And um, I, you know, I'm collecting stories for uh, for our technician friends because yeah. credentialed technicians just they are. And everybody calls them the unsung heroes or like the backbone. All true. Like mm-hmm. all the cliches. They're so true. I don't know what I would do without our technicians. And I was wondering if you wanted to give a shout out to either veterinary technicians in general or to one specific credential technician who may have you know saved your butt or something because I can think of many that have saved mine. Yeah. Uh, so... I was an intern once a long time ago, and I think God love you. Pretty much anybody <laughs> who's done a small animal or large animal internship, the overnight technicians absolutely save us. Yeah. Like they save us. So I was so lucky during my internship to work with 
two really amazing technicians, uh, Darina and Joanna, and both of them multiple times saved me. Not only saved the animal, uh, but there, you know, there are some really difficult client interactions that sometimes happen at night. And I had a really one that was making me very uncomfortable and scared. And having uh, one of my technicians be like, I got you. Like, I'm going to come and I'm going to stand outside this door and I'm going to listen and I'm going to come and rescue you if you need help. Because that, that was a, that was a rough one. And I, and it was something that I, it, you know, you learn a lot when you're an intern and you learn a lot when you're first out, you're out of vet school in general. But I, I felt so much better knowing that she was literally standing on the other side of the door with me that, and to help me protect me if I needed protection from this very irate client. So, oh, no. um, and then the other technician that I, uh, is the nutrition technician at the University of Tennessee, uh, Ashley Cox. I are, well, not, uh, that's, well, she's married now, so her has a different last name, Ashley Self, sorry. I always remember her by her name from before, but Ashley. <laughs> She'll know who she is. She knows who, she's, she knows who <laughs> she is, so, um, uh, but I met her during my residency before she ever became a VTS in nutrition. Um, she actually came in my residency to just spend a little bit of time with us. And we quickly realized how skilled she was and how much of an asset she was. And, you know, it's been really amazing to watch her become actually a really important technician in the veterinary nutrition space in terms of the leadership opportunities she's taken. And I'm actually really not surprised by any of it, to be honest. Um, but uh, she's great. I mean, she's really good. She's so good. I wish I could have stolen her from taking her to New Jersey with me, but I know she would have never have moved there. Um, but she's just a real talent. And I know the people at Tennessee are so lucky to have her. And she's amazing because she's also teaching people now too mm -hmm. and teaching other people to be in the nutrition space. And so that knowledge that she has has been uh, been available to lots of people now. So I've just, Yeah. Anyways, that. I love all of that. And I also <laughs> love it when technicians who are really amazing at what they do go out and show other technicians mm -hmm. that they she's can She's become be like, way. yeah, she's definitely become a, a, a leader in her field now. I love so that. it's really great. It's amazing. Yeah. And I met her on day one <laughs> coming to Tennessee. <laughs> well, I, I think that's fantastic. And, you know, some of that was a while ago, right? So you, yeah. you were, and you remember very clearly like those situations and what you just said when you were like, she stood outside the door and she said, I got you, you know, mm -hmm. like I'll rescue you if you need it. Yeah. Like, I think that encompasses so much of what technicians do for us is just like, they don't get the credit, they don't get the kudos, but they are there and they're like the hands that are just like waiting to catch us when yeah. something happens and like, ugh. Thank goodness for them. So yeah, absolutely. It's a good I mean, story. Yes, I bet. I don't know if she. I mean, I wonder how many times she stood out the door from an intern, but I will <laughs> never forget it. Like I needed that. She probably so went home and was like, oh, I had to stand outside the she's door. Like, I got to stand intern. outside this door for this like intern for who's been here for two months, and I still. That was in 2010, and I still oh. think about it now. I needed that. So that yeah. Is. 
Well, Dr. Martha Klein, thank you so much for coming by. This was really fast studio, yeah. our studio here in San Diego. <laughs> I kind of wish we could just stay here because it's so nice to have a it's studio. It's beautiful, yeah. Um, and San Diego is beautiful. And San Diego is beautiful. I don't know if this. I don't know if the space is beautiful, but yes. <laughs> I mean, this room exactly is not that beautiful, but yes. like this um, this setting outside is incredible. incredible. And so I appreciate you taking time to come yeah. in here and chat. This was very fun. Yeah, absolutely. And lots of ideas for follow-ups now. Yes, <laughs> I love it. So um, we'll put some links in the show notes um, for some of the, the um, things that we talked about today. And is there anything else that you would like people to know um, before we sign off? places they can reach you, um, resources they should know about, or like a mic drop about veterinary nutrition that you want people to know. Veterinary nutrition is an amazing job. And it is so diverse too. what you can do as a nutritionist. And I think about how much knowledge and time the nutrition college and my colleagues in the nutrition college just it's, it's incredible. Like I, and nutrition is such an involving field. And yeah, there are things that I said five years ago that I don't say anymore. I changed like, because we are learning all this really cool new stuff. And so, um, I just want people to know how cool nutrition is, like how I think it is. So that's it. And Purina has a ton of resources about yes. that. So, um, like, just the Purina you can just Institute use. Center Square yeah. is, and the Purina Institute website in general is a really fabulous resource. Um, it's uh, it's it's product agnostic, so it just mm-hmm. really focuses on the science uh, and the research and development, and um, and then they have a really great resource, uh, Center Square, and Center Square has tools for the veterinary team. It also has tools for uh, clients. It also is translated in eight different languages, so it. it really helps with that language barrier that sometimes yeah. people experience. Um, so there's just really, really great information. And, um, you know, I, I, I love that resource. It's so great. It's a fantastic resource. Very cool. We'll drop that link in the show notes also. Perfect. Um, and if you want specific links to Purina Institute resources, they are integrated. Many of them are integrated into the nutrition certificate. They so are. you'll find that on AHA Learning. <laughs> Great. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much, um, Martha. And this was super fun. This was super fun. Thanks to all of you for listening and watching. We'll catch you next time on Central Line. Thanks for listening to today's episode of Central Line, the AHA podcast. If you love what you hear, please take a moment to leave us a rating and review. For more resources to help you simplify your journey towards excellence in veterinary medicine, we invite you to visit aha.org. That's A-A-H-A dot O-R-G.